Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Margaritas. What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show. We discuss DC Rising, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is March 2nd, 2017. March is here. The Washington Wizards are back. And me and Rashad Mobley are back. Uh, Rashad, how the hell are you, dude? What's up? I'm pretty good. I, let me just say up front that I, I did not talk to the reference before this podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I should go to the protest tomorrow, the D- Department uh, Department of Justice at 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, 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 you have not been. Uh, I mean, you know, I used to frequent the Russia house. Uh, good vodka. I used I to live know. next door. Yeah, I used to live next door, right on the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh there's another restaurant down on Connecticut, Maravana or something, I think it's called. Uh, I think that's where the uh, Russians, uh, Ovechkin, uh, now hangs out. Uh, yeah, I like your joke. Rashad, here's the deal, dude. We have seen each other in person twice because uh, Mr. Truth About It, Kyle Wheel, that we die, I will breaking news, uh, not really breaking news, is moving to uh, Brooklyn with his lovely wife, Kai. So we have seen each other in person at two going away events, and we have not podcast in a long time. You know, real life comes at you, uh, Rashad. Uh, I know. Uh, how was the little one and the missus? They're both doing well, very well. In, in, anything new? Uh, Do you guys enjoy this uh, spring-like weather that we've had the last week? <laughs> yeah, everybody got sick the past two weeks. Yeah, so I, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy it too much, but. Uh, Hopefully, it'll, uh, the missus has a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks, so hopefully the, the good vibes weather-wise keep on going so we can have a good time. Yeah, I saw that the, the cherry blossoms are going to bloom already, like like March 16th or something, like a, like almost a month before the parade, which is almost, a, I think, a record. You know, it's weird because the pollen monster, I have some allergies, and it's out early, dude. It's out there. So I was like, oh, wow, it's so great, the 70 degrees, and no, don't get me wrong, it was pretty awesome to be hanging out in parks and patios and and whatnot in february which is usually the coldest month here in the nation's capital but man a palm monster coming at you uh, I, I was not prepared uh, so early uh rashad let's uh talk about these washington wizards they are 36 and 23 on the season currently they just beat toronto last night up in canada 
we will go into the games uh, beforehand, but we have not. I almost did an emergency podcast. Me and you tried to uh, talk about the team uh, last week, and you were under the weather and had some obligations, and I uh, uh, was busy as well. Here's the deal, dude. Like, there was a big trade, and I almost did a whole podcast by myself, but it was weird to talk in a microphone by myself for 30 minutes and debate a trade. Uh, the Wizards made a big move. Uh, I guess, I don't know, big move you want to say, but, you know, they traded another first-round pick uh, for uh, Bojan. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Bogdanovic. I'm not even going to try. Oh, uh, yeah, Bojan Buckets. Uh, I'm just going to go with Bojan or B. Uh, from the New Jersey Nets. Or, I'm sorry. God, I just messed up. The Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Wizards traded their first-round pick, uh, Marcus Thornton. And in return, get uh, Bonovich and uh, Chris McCullough, who I don't really know much about him. Uh, we can talk about him, too. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, and also trade away Andrew Nicholson. What was your first reaction when you heard the news of the trade? I know the Wizards were in on uh, Lou Williams there, and people thought maybe that the first-round pick was, was too steep. You know, uh, you know, Tucker for the Suns was out there, which he definitely was not worth the first round pick. I think he ended up going to Toronto for a couple second one second rounders conditionally. Uh, your impressions of the trade uh, when you heard it? Well, keep in mind when I heard the trade, this was way before Bogdanovich scored twenty seven points. So initially, when I heard it, I was I, I was a little disappointed that they did not go after Lou Williams or. At that point, Jose Calderon wasn't available, but they had to know that was going to come about. And I just thought that the first priority would be a backup point guard rather than a shooter. Not that a shooter, a person who can catch and shoot and hit open threes is not a commodity because it very much is. But the biggest glaring, uh, at that point, the glaring omission on the Wizards bench, I mean, the whole bench was less than, less than stellar, but there was no backup point guard. And... I was tired of seeing Trey Burke kind of struggle to get anybody in offense. And, you know, Bradley Beal, Brooks was starting to use Bradley Beal in a way that really does not maximize Bradley Beal's skills. And so Bogdanovich doesn't really help that out. But, again, he could shoot and he can spread the floor. He can help spread the floor. And I was encouraged. Then I was discouraged about giving away the first round pick and basically admitting that Nicholson was a bust. Uh, so there, there were mixed feelings. I mean, I think I even tweeted about this. It was typical Houdini by Ernie Grunfeld. When you make a move over the summer, you hype it up. It doesn't work out. And you make another move to get yourself out of the shitty move. And you want people to praise you. But in this case, it really, I mean, considering what you got in Bogdanovich, he killed it in the Olympics over the, over the summer. Um, you're not really getting a bad player. And you have to ask yourself, Nicholson was a wash. And uh, you got rid of Marcus Thornton, which was needed. Is the 23rd or whatever whatever first-round pick that they're, they're going to end up having, is it going to be better than what they have now in Bogdanovich? And that's basically the logic you have to use, and I don't think so. So, you know, I was good about it, but I, I, I had some reservations. Now, of course, they made it all better yesterday with Jennings, but at the time, I, I was a little concerned, I, I must admit. Well, yeah, yeah, I think it's a pro and con approach when you look at it. And it's also, once again, when you discuss this basketball team or the long tenure of president for uh, life, uh, Ernie Grunfeld, is that you 
it's hard to just look at the moves individually and try to like, okay, let's weigh it, you know, without, you know, in some type of vacuum or whatever, right? Without being like, again, we traded another pick again because we made a bad move in the summer. So then we're trading picks again and we still haven't won 50 games. And what kind of team trades another first round pick? I mean, now we'll have only have one first round pick in the last four years. And in someone was like, oh, the Cavs do that, or they will say these other teams do that. You know, the Heat used to do that, and, you know, the Bulls back in the day, I think, used to do that. You can look at, but I was like, dude, those are like title teams, right? You know, and I don't think the, the Wizards obviously are not even close to that. So that is, I get like this knee jerk reaction, which I'm sure most fans listening to that have like, oh my gosh, like Ernie Grunfeld again trading away a pick to cover up his own mistakes. And so, that reaction is there, and I think that is still, you know, fair to say. But when I look at the trade itself, I don't, I don't know if it turns the needle per se, I guess. But what I think that they did two, two or three good things here right now. They got rid of Nicholson's uh, contract. He was a four-year deal, twenty-six million. So that means what? You know, do the math. So, like, was that six and a half? So pretty much, yeah. So they're out. So say they say twenty million dollars. They don't have to pay a first round pick next year, right? So there's two year guaranteed with you know, I forget what is. So say three. What 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 is a late first round pick make like three to four, three three to four. So so that's twenty. So they save twenty six million dollars. They get rid of Marcus Thornton, which was a wash, another bad signing. Uh, you know, just for a filler. And then you bring in a guy, like, like you mentioned, uh, who can shoot the three, spread the court, can be an offensive uh, threat on the second unit, and can play, maybe close out uh, if he's hot uh, with the starters, and, and has an ability to, put the, to get buckets in this league. And, and especially we've seen with John Wall, I mean, to spread this, the reason they've done so well is you spread the court with shooters, which we've been waiting for new for years, and this, they've done it to... Uh, Great success this season. So in that sense, it's like you got a shooter for this playoff push. Uh, you got you got rid of salary, and then also you cleared some some space to then re-sign Otto Porter uh, in the offseason. Now, so in that sense, it's like that seems like a decent move, uh, very solid logic. Like I couldn't really. It's hard to really hate that. But once again, it's like come on, like another pick again. Uh, you know, you can bring up Marquise and Gortat. It worked out, I guess, and those things. But you know, you traded you traded picks for Trevor Booker to move up to draft him. That didn't work out. Uh, you know, you had a list. You know, Kevin Serafin and Singleton, and you know, we don't want to go down the list of guys down the years that they haven't developed. But just a lot of questionable moves. I mean, last year was the first time they, they hadn't had a pick in, in in forever, and it just seems to me like I get like what kind of player are you going to get in the late the late first round and. You know, how many second rounders like pan out. I understand that. But it feels to me like then that's why we have to sign Jason Smith or Andrew Nicholson or bring in Marcus Thornton because they don't they have not been able to develop or get these to use these picks. And you know, they traded some picks. I mean, they don't even have some second rounders down the road. Uh, I know Jake Whitaker is is way for Bulls Forever is way upon that than I am of, of all those details. But it is it is is encouraging that the team knew they needed to make a move and they saw that first rounder expendable and that maybe this saves them money to bring Otto back and then also to make this playoff push. But also it's 
discouraging that once again we're good teams, good franchises don't seem to just give away first round picks who haven't had sustained playoff success. Do you feel that? I do, and I have to be honest. I would not have been terribly mad or disappointed if the only move the Wizards made during the trade deadline was the one they just did. Like, if they only got Brandon Jennings and everything stayed the same, and they cut Daniel House, I wouldn't have been mad at that. That's still an upgrade. And so, you know, I I feel like the the move that they needed to make could have been accomplished without having to give away a first round pick. Now, yeah, you still you got rid of a contract and so it's kind of a give and take there. But again, the the other thing that this move signifies is they're really going for it this year. I mean they felt like we're we're very close. I'm sure they were empowered by that Cleveland game and I'm sure they feel like we are we are very close. Kevin Love is hurt. Lowry is hurt. We're we're right there and we need to make a move and it it's short sighted on one hand, but you know I mean, let's say we're sitting here a couple months from now and they're on the cusp of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, how mad are you really going to be? So it's, it's, it's definitely, like most Ernie Grunfeld moves, it's, it's a wait and see, but I'm not as outraged as I've been in years past with other things. Yeah, I think we also have to mention that uh, uh, Bogdanovich is a restricted free agent. Yes. And so that is important as well. I, I'm unsure if they have their bird rights, his bird rights. I, I don't know how that works. But he, you know, and I've already had some fans, you know, tweet at me, especially after the game we're going to get into in Toronto, which he, you know, hit like six, seven threes. It was outstanding and, you know, big reason why they won that game on the road last night. But I don't think they're going to give Otto the max and, and match an offer sheet to him, right? Like, like they just don't have the money for that unless Ted wants to go to the luxury tax, which we have seen no indication that that is really in the cards. That'd be great, and and maybe Bojan blows it up, and you know a lot of teams you know need a shooter or whatever. But and so maybe they bring him back, and or they're hopeful that he would come back on a cheap contract. But I don't think that he will in the sense that. I don't think they can even give him market rate or give him a longer year deal that he probably would demand. So I think we're really looking at a rental with him, and and, and maybe that's fine. And maybe we'll pay this down the road when you know we sign Otto to the max and John Wall's coming up for the max, and then we have Bradley Beal on his contract, and you know then Markeith goes out, Markeith and Gortat go off the the books, and I don't want to get in too long term. We have a, a whole summer to talk about that, but I think that you were correct that this signifies that they're all in and. And Nicholson was a mistake. He was never going to play. And we basically add a rotation player for a guy that didn't play. Right. You know? And so I think that that has to be uh, signified in this. Now, let's go into what you mentioned. So, Brandon Jennings uh, gets – do you get traded or waived? I can't remember. Did he get – he just got straight up waived by the Knicks? No, he asked. He said he wanted to play for a championship contender. And Phil Jackson basically said, F you, you can go. And he got waived, cleared waivers, and came to the Wizards. So he comes to the Wizards, and your thoughts on, on Brandon Jennings as a player joining the Wizards? Well, as you know, uh, our colleague Connor Dirks and I went back and forth on, on Truth About It about this. But, again, on the surface, th- this is a great move because I've watched Brandon Jennings enough to know he's not John Wall with the pace, but he's he's not that far behind. He's a quick guy. He likes to push the ball. 
and his very presence on the court means that Ubre will get open threes, Bogdanovich will get open threes, you know, maybe Jason Smith will have more room to, to pick and pop. There'll just be a lot of room on the court and everybody will get into offense. I think with Trey Burke, he couldn't get into the offense. Not only could he not get into it, but he didn't feel comfortable having the ball. I mean, I don't know how many times I see him give up the ball and stand in a corner like a lost puppy, whereas Sadoransky runs the offense a lot better, but he just you didn't see him take anybody off the dribble, and he definitely didn't have that, you know, that polish, that, that, that savvy that a, a veteran like Jennings have. You know, Sadoransky is still getting his feet under him, although he played very well last night in Toronto. He was one of the catalysts behind all those points that were scored in the second quarter. But Jennings can do it consistently, and he's a he's an irritant. You know, not quite on the level of Marquise Morris and how he's kind of a tough guy, but Jennings is an irritant. He's done it to the Wizards. He's done it to other teams. He brings a lot of enthusiasm, and that's what the second unit needs. They need a personality. Right now, they have the personality of who? Trey Burke? There's just no personality, and Jennings brings that. However, I've also been watching him long enough to know that he can pound the shit out of the ball sometimes to the offense's detriment. I've seen him, he'll get the ball, run under the basket, come out from under the basket, and the shot clock will be down to 9, 10 seconds, and he hasn't done anything. And if he sees his first two shots go through, he just turns into Steph Curry. Like, he won't even run the offense, so just keep looking for a shot. So, you know, the challenge will be for Scott Brooks to kind of keep him in that point guard mode and not morph into the scoring mode. But overall, I I, I think this is a good move. If I'm being real with you, I would have rather they sign Jose Calderon because he's more of a, a point, guard, point guard. You know, he's he plays the position. He only looks to pass. But his shot is kind of inconsistent. Yeah, I, really I, I would rather play. I'd rather have Sadoransky play than than Calderon. Don't you think? Uh, I guess, but Calderon has a little more seasoning. But Calderon's defense leaves much to be desired, and so in that respect, he's just like Sadoransky. So, but you know, I'm nitpicking here. I think Jennings. What was? If, well, well, I'm saying, you know, what was Connor's? Uh, Connor's. You're back and forth. Like, what was? What were you guys actually arguing about per se? To preview your piece. On truth about it. Oh. oh, well, Connor was just basically saying the same thing that he said that he's happy that Jennings is here because he, number one, he always respected Jennings for not just going to college and just kind of mailing it in. He went overseas. He played a year. He took his lumps over in, uh, I believe it was in, in Rome or Italy. Yeah. And then he came, and then he came over here and you know dropped fifty five. And he's always been an effective point guard. But Connor was also like, let's not forget he's having a shitty year like he's not shooting well he's not consistent and so you know the hope is that a new environment will kind of you know energize him so i think we we both spent a lot of paragraphs basically saying the same thing there's a lot of good that can happen but there's also the potential for this being an inconsequential move but we both are trending on the side of we think it'll be an upgrade and like i wrote in my recap today I'm doing a lot of segues here. Yes, I like a lot of plugs, a lot of plugs, a lot of plugs. I like it. But in my recap, there were a couple of plays yesterday where Sadoransky actually pushed the ball, and as he was, well, Mahini would block a shot, number one, which would create a fast break, fast break opportunity, and you would see Sadoransky driving with Ubre on one side, uh, Bagdanovich on the other side. That kind of scenario can happen a lot more, not even necessarily with a block being the catalyst, just by 
Jennings taking the ball, getting the rebound, or taking it out of bounds, he, he produces that kind of quickness. And I think you're going to see a different type of Wizards second unit. I think you can see Trey Burke in his natural, well, to me, his natural, in a two-guard position where all he has to do is shoot, and he can take open shots. He doesn't have to create. We've seen that Oubre shoots three-point. He's not a great shoot three-point shooter, but he hits the open shot. And Bogdanovich can go for the 20 in every night. It creates a different type of offense, and it makes, you know, you don't have to worry about the, you know, the bench, you know, the starters going out and John Wall looking disgusted because he's in the second or fourth quarter with nine minutes left. Like, I just sat down. You know, he creates an atmosphere where you can actually let the starters go a significant amount of time. So, well, also, uh, there. It's also the fact that Jennings on the second unit, I mean, who's going to be guarding him, right? Some backup players. Like, he can get some and get, get you know, gives Brooks more options and more combinations that he can kind of play with and ride the hot hand. Thing about Jennings, first of all, we have to mention is that on this podcast, I believe in the preseason, we discuss a preseason game where him and Casper Ware, uh, who was a invite to the Wizards uh, training camp, who was cut, got into it with Brandon Jennings. Uh, Brandon Jennings also has gotten into it with Bradley Beal, John Wall, and, and Jennings has had it in the past. The Casper Ware thing in the preseason, Scott Brooks wouldn't mention his name in the post game, which I completely forgot about. Me and you discussed this about whether or not that was a punk move, and we thought Brandon Jennings was being a punk. And all of a sudden, they let bygones be bygones and bring him in. Do you feel like, you know, it's just like anything else. Like, we've always competed, you know, growing up, you compete against guys, and then you go, you're on different schools, and then you go to a, you know, go to, you're on different junior highs, and you go to high school, and then you're buddies, but you hate each other. Or you're on different towns growing up, and then you played AU ball or teams together, and then you become friends with them. Like, I get that aspect, and NBA is a little different. But I was curious, is like, how. Like there is legitimately bad blood with Jennings, and for the team to uh, kind of overlook that or sign off on that, uh, whereas you know, for example, would they bring Nick Young back? Right? Like, there's another guy, name out there. I don't think they would just because of this passive Nick Young. I know it's a little different situation, but it's similar. Where it was curious that the Wizards just were like, all right, they just didn't. Be like, fuck that guy. Like, John Wall was like, fuck him. I don't want him on my team, right? Because I don't like him. I know it sounds petty, but, like, they're also human beings and not robots. Yeah, I mean, I think that they, Wall and Bill and especially Gortat, who's, who's talked shit about the bench earlier this year, they know where their deficiencies are. They know how many times they've had to come back into a game prematurely or kind of sit on the bench with, feeling anxious, wondering how much can they ice their knees, how much can they really relax knowing they're going to have to go back in. And so they also know that there really aren't a lot of good backup point guards that are going to fall into your lap off the waiver wire. So beggars can't be choosers. Um, you know, I think Wall is is a lot more agreeable with it. He doesn't, you know, as uh, Candace Buckner's article showed today, he and Jennings used to be cool. They actually went to a 21st birthday party together. So they're not they're not adversaries as much as he and Beal are. Beal's comments surrounding Jennings were... Well, Beal would totally hold a grudge more than John Wall, for sure. Right, Beal was very guarded. He just said, uh, you know, I guess I don't I don't really have an opinion. So, But, again, as one of the corniest but truest cliches is that winning is the best deodorant. And if Jennings plays tomorrow, 
and is instrumental in the Wizards win or hits a big shot or finds Bill for an alley-oop, all that BS will kind of wash to the side and it'll be about winning. Um, and I, I almost hope that sometime either at home against Toronto tomorrow or Orlando against Sunday or early in the road trip, Jennings actually does something to prove that he can be trusted as a teammate so that that's not a running theme. Oh, you know, can he be trusted as the residual bad blood? I'd like for him to do something really significant soon so that we're not speculating on whether he's messing with the team chemistry or anything. And we're speaking about how he's had almost as seamless of a transition as Bagdanovich has had. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, he just goes one on five and he goes over six and has a bunch of turnovers. Or And then all of a sudden we're like, what the hell did we just get? Like, right, he gets a little going a little bit, and then that helps out with the camaraderie with the teammates as well. They, but also I would also mention that it's a positive that he wanted to come here, too. I mean, I don't know what other options he had, but, I mean, Brandon Jennings at one point, I mean, like you said, he was, you know, I mean, he was a stud player. I mean, he wasn't like all-star all-star, but he was, you know, a, a, an ish, pretty prestigious player like in this league. He went from 55 in that game you're saying. And what I remember about him uh, most recently was, dude, he was really good in Detroit. Before he got injured that year, he, Stan Van Gunny had him. I don't know if it was that two years ago. Before he got traded to Orlando. I don't know if it was two years ago. And the Wizards played Detroit a bunch of games, and he went off. And I remember that. And he was playing some of the best ball of his career with Van Gundy, and then he got hurt, and then they traded him. And then... I, you know, I don't know if he obviously I haven't followed much Knicks basketball to tell you how great he's been. And then the Wizards have beat the Knicks, uh, you know, in some games this year. And I think the one game that they uh, I, I remember at home that they had a big lead that they had to put the stars back in the fourth quarter is because Jennings uh, had a pretty good run, but he wasn't very good in the other ones as well. My, I guess the ultimate question is, Rashad, is he an upgrade from Trey Burke? Absolutely. Right? I mean, I, is, is that all, that's all that matters, correct? Right, and you know, Brooks has already admitted in several post-game press conferences that he has had to kind of rethink on how he looks at Trey Burke and how he uses him. We can't just consider him to be a traditional point guard, and because of that, it's just you know, you just you don't know what to do with. He never knows what to do with him on a nightly basis. Whereas as with Jennings. You know he knows what to do. He's the point guard. He's going to run the team. There's no question of do I have to move him to off guard. So it's a huge upgrade over both Burke and Sadoransky. No, I'm a little higher on Sadoransky than you, but I do love how uh, down Kyle is on Trey Burke. <laughs> like, like his tweets are so funny sometimes. Like, he's like, oh, my God, like you're not Trey Burke. And I, I, I still feel that you know Trey Burke's possessions are sometimes, you know, he's running. Like this is all true. But it's still, at least he's still, he's not like Eric Maynard. Like, he finally, he can make some shots here and there. But here's the ultimate question. So, now it felt like after, uh, on Sunday, the rumors were out there uh, about Jennings. And J. Michael tweets that Trey Burke did not make the trip uh, to Toronto. So, it assumed that, for personal reasons, which meant that they would cut him uh, because adding Jennings would give the Wizards 16 people on the roster. And they decided to cut Daniel House and keep Trey Burke. I, I've never heard, I didn't hear today why Trey Burke didn't make the trip. Maybe the Wizards were still trying to figure it out. Your thoughts on that decision? I know it's not a huge decision, but I feel that it could have gone either way. 
I would have kept Daniel House, by the way, personally. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, it doesn't, really, ma- it doesn't really matter. Enough. It doesn't really matter, but but I would have. But no, but I I think you keep Trey Burke because I mean I know this is reaching, but his biggest game of the year when he scored what was it twenty seven points against the Nets, right? Against the Nets, he 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 played a lot of minutes alongside John Wall in that game. He was playing with somebody who commanded a lot of attention, created a lot of space, and got him wide open shots, and he was killing it. He was able to operate in space as opposed to bringing the ball down and trying to create his own space. So if you're using that logic and you've seen him perform better off the ball in space, oh, no, you're not going to cut he's him. He's pretty good on the, the break and transition, man. I mean, he, he right. can get so Right, so in that regard, he's better than Daniel House, and I think it's worth keeping him because he'll be able to play with Brandon Jennings. Now, I think he'll be given a chance to show what he can do once Jennings gets a little comfortable. And if he fails that test, if he doesn't play well with with, with Jennings, then I think you'll see him assuming the Marcus Thornton position buried on the bench. But I think he'll be given a chance to show what he can do playing with Jennings, a quicker guard, commands attention, and can take somebody off the dribble. So I think that's why you keep Trey Burke. But well, how about this? How about this? Again, we're gonna go deep in the weeds, Rashad. How about cutting Ochefu and keeping House? I mean, especially if you have Chris McCullough, yeah, who's, the big, who's the big guy now, which we, we haven't really gotten into, who hurt his knee, was supposedly a D-League all-star, was a first-round pick uh, two years ago, I believe from Florida State. Uh, you know, what up, Chris Singleton? I know you're not listening. But uh, I know, once again, this doesn't really matter, matter, but... But maybe I would have liked to cut Ochefu, even though I really like Ochefu as a, as a human being. He's been nice to me when I talk to him. No, I don't think you can do that because I think you need – look, I know he's raw, but all you had to do was look at the first and second quarters to see how uh, Valanchunas and Ibaka were just killing the Wizards on the offensive boards to know, to, to know that maybe you don't want to get rid of a big body, however raw he is. Maybe you want to keep him around because you never know when – as has happened before, Gortat gets in foul trouble or Mahimni gets re-injured, you're going to need a big man. The Achilles heel of the Wizards this year, it showed up against Boston, and it definitely showed up against Cleveland, and to a lesser extent, Toronto is allowing offensive boards. And even if you need a Chepu to come in for five minutes and pick up six fouls in 30 seconds... But don't you think McCullough would go in before a Chepu? I don't know yet. I mean, we'll yeah, see. McCullough, McCullough is kind of a little on the slender side. That's you know, true. And I don't, that's true. And I don't know that if somebody like that can be a deterrent to uh, Tristan Thompson or um, uh, I'm trying to like, what's the guy? Oh, I, I just don't know. I just think big bodies are a commodity. I don't think Daniel House is a commodity for this particular Wizards team because the, the one thing he does, he does well, Bogdanovich does better. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, that, that's... I mean, that's we're arguing about the 15th man on the team right now. But, I mean, just... Yeah, I'm about this, to say, we're going real inside No, no I totally... No, we're just, oh, I know, but these the people listening to our podcast are crazy Wizards fan, and it is a 15th spot on the roster, and I wish I knew more about Chris McCullough uh, to give you more information. I did uh, find out that uh, Bojan uh, Bodanovic uh, was, is Bosnian, and but he also is Croatian and played on the Croatian national team. Which, which, uh, from, so I have a lot of, uh, I studied Yugoslavia in, uh, well, I didn't study Yugoslavia. I had 
political science class about Tito and Yugoslavia, which I remember, especially when the whole war, uh, the war happened in, in, in the nineties, I'm dating myself for everyone out there. But, uh, so I'm, I'm really curious to ask him about that. It's like, how are you Bosnian, but also Croatian? Uh, anyway, uh, I, I know nothing about Chris McCullough. Nothing. I can tell you that Chris McCullough has the Eton Thomas stamp of approval. Uh, cool. Not long after the Wizards signed him, he went on Facebook and or Instagram and said that, because they both went to Syracuse, and he said that Chris McCullough... Oh, I said, Flor- I said Florida State. I'm, my bad. He went to Syracuse? Yeah. Went to Syracuse, yeah. So <laughs> if- Shit, I messed up. There we go. Thanks for correcting me. Oh, Eton, Eton so, likes him? Right, so that notorious scout, Eton Thomas, has given him the stamp of approval. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned Eton Thomas. Uh, before the Warriors game, I went into the Warriors... Locker room. Uh, there's like five minutes left that the media could be in there, and the first person I see in there, Etown Thomas. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea why. Uh, I went back on the court to watch uh, Kevin Durant and uh, Clay Thompson shoot. But uh, before we move on here, we're done with the weeds. We have not talked about some podcasts. I want your take. Uh, Bradley Beal should have been an All Star over Melo. Look, here is my conspiracy theory, Adam oh, McGinley. Oh, I I have them. Keep. Fuel my fire. Fuel my fire. I think that, as as you are aware, just a week, maybe less than a week before... The Oakley drama, correct? What did you say? The Oakley drama. Charles Oakley drama, correct? Right. The Oakley drama came up, and I think that Dolan, after the Oakley drama, was very defiant and steadfast in his position of F. Charles Oakley. And I think that when Jordan and Adam Silver had a come-to-Jesus meeting with Dolan and, and Oakley. I, no, I, I love that I, they, they conferenced in Michael Jordan, by the way, too. <laughs> right. Great. And so I think that Dolan said, you know, I'll play ball. I'll do what you want. I'll be conciliatory. But, hey, guess what? My guy makes the all-star team. And so I think that's what happened. But, however, I also will say this. When they were talking to the uh, NBA TV crew with Chris Webber and, and others, and they were – trying to decide who should make the all-star team. This was about a month ago before the all-star team was even named, right before it was named. They all said that Carmelo should make it, not necessarily because of the season he's having, but because every year there's a player who makes it simply on legacy. And that it either, if you you needed to have one legacy pick, and that needed to be Carmelo or Wade. Dwayne Wade. Now, having... I haven't watched the All-Star game for a long time. That's been one of the staples of the All-Star team. There's always one player who you know damn well shouldn't be on there, but it's almost like, you know, the Meryl Streep Award. You 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 know, you, you've done so much, we're just going to give it to you. So, you know, still, I think to that point, after Bill was not announced to a man, everyone on TNT and – ESPN. NBA Twitter. NBA Twitter loved it too. Like they thought it was wrong. Right. It it was wrong. I mean, the hottest team in the NBA at the time of the All Star break was the Washington Wizards. They were doing everything that you want a team to be doing, and the reason was John Wall and Bradley Beal. And so I I think he he definitely should have made it. Although it seemed like Bradley Beal really didn't want to go. Because he had a vacation plan. Oh, I I, uh, I saw the Snapchats of his brother. They went to the Dominican. Uh, right. So, so Dominican All Star Game. I I want to go to the Dominican too. With with his uh, reality star uh, banging a uh, girl. Yeah, uh, I'm not touching that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Commercial break time. Sneakers. S N E E K I S. 
DMVStore.com, sports apparel, DMV style. They have a fresh new t-shirt, old school DC basketball tee that you should check out. Uh, I'm going to try to cop it myself. And at checkout, enter Pixel Roll and get 10% off your order. And you also help support this show, Independent Basketball Media. Now back to the podcast. I love that you're, you're going with conspiracy theory because I believe. It's like they placate the Knicks for what reason? It is, it is like, okay, look at the stats. Yeah, Carmelo, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying Carmelo could not be there. But, dude, Carmelo, the Knicks are terrible. Carmelo's plus minuses are awful. Carmelo's shooting is down. Carmelo doesn't rebound as much as he did before. Not that he was ever a good rebounder. Bradley Beal's shooting is crazy. Is you know uh, his stats are better. Uh, he's younger. Never made it. How is not having Bradley Beal in the game better than him? And what is this fucking process, Adam Silver? And the fact is, this whole drama with fucking Oakley, and then they all had a kumbaya, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, Carmelo gets picked, like, a couple days later. And I was like, that is some fucking shady-ass shit. Beal was pissed, which, once again, you know, we, we can, you know, we were talking about Jennings and his quotes, and we've ripped on Bradley, you know, over the years, and criticized him, but I do like the fact that sometimes, where, where, where Wall keeps it real about being candid almost too much, where Beal's, like, moody, like, kind of pouty thing, like, he can't hide. <laughs> you know? Like, it's like, you can't be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. It's like, no. He's like, nah. Like, you know, like, and, he, and his quotes were great. I don't know so much about his agent getting involved in that article. I thought that, that was kind of maybe a little bit tacky. But I agreed with his agent. And he had, he had a narrative to push. And it was like, the Wizards have beat the Knicks three times. Way better. That team is a mess. Uh, they were having all this drama, and you award Carmelo over him when arguably every legitimate pundit would have him over it. But here's the deal, Rashad. It doesn't really matter. And, well, it does matter because I think Bradley should have had the recognition. But the game itself, can we mention this for like 30 seconds? Uh, I was with my friends because it was, you know, 100 million degrees, and I went to the zoo uh, – which is very ironic to see uh, Bow Bow's uh, going away. Which, uh, by the way, for people listening, you know Bradley Beal, Big Panda. I helped get his nickname as uh, Big Panda and Bow Bow uh, with the help of a lot of people uh, on the uh, Wizards Twitter and uh, Truth About It writers. But it was Bow Bow's like second to last day at the zoo, and it was a fucking madhouse, and it felt like Disney World. It was awful, and Bow Bow was like sleeping. It wasn't even there. Uh, but the point is, I go to my friends and hang out, and we have the All Star game on, and I'm like, the fucking score is like 100 to 100 or like 80 to 80. And like, every, every time I watched it, it was like, no one is even going to pretend to play defense. And like, when I look back at the All Star games, it's not like, oh my God, they played so much defense. It's always been that, that thing where they played defense in the fourth quarter, right? Right. And that was always the misnomer. And maybe when Sowers weren't as big and, you know, they'd be, like, betting the night before. Probably Barkley had bet, you know, 100 bucks on the, uh, some card game and you win fifty or $100,000 or whatever more if you win. But, like, dude, like, but yet still the defense in the first three quarters, maybe not, you know, you're closing out or rotating or trapping or some shit. But you're at least, like, stopping the guy from dribbling down the middle and throwing an alley-oop with five. Like, it's like... <laughs> 
somehow it went from we're going to throw alley-oops off the backboard in transition to we're just going to throw alley-oops in half-court settings constantly. And I found it very uh, unappealing where I stopped watching, actually. Well, I didn't even watch. I, I, I literally turned it off after Westbrook I mean, and Durant it, got it, together. It, it, like, has, it, has, it, has, it, has it reached Pro Bowl levels? It, Pro, it, Bowl, it's, Pro Bowl football levels? I know it's totally different, but... Yeah, it has, but it's like, up to the players. Unwatchable, to, right? It's up to the players to decide that you know they need to decide how they're going to break down the game. We're going to play around for a little while, and then we're going to get serious. I think next year you're going to see the players, you know, self-govern and decide we're going to give the fans a show, but we're also we're going to give them a, a fantasy show. But towards the end, we're going to give them a show by way of playing hard and actually trying to win the game. I think. This is the last year of that that BS that we saw. Well, well I, I also have to mention that uh, they are in New Orleans. They're young and rich. <laughs> They've been there all weekend. <laughs> the game is at night on Sunday. How many parties are all over in in that crazy, amazing town as New Orleans? Right, man. They got their crew, their people, their reps, all the money, all the all the girls, all the fun. You think anyone's going? But that's like, always been the case, though. That's no, no, always no, been no, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's not like fucking. I guess you're right. Like, you can say these other cities, but like, New Orleans has like New Orleans doesn't sleep. It's it, you can keep rocking forever. So I guess in that sense, you are right because if I remember correctly, the one year they had in Vegas, uh, God, what was that? Five, six, seven years ago, dude, they were so hungover that first half. <laughs> like it was like I remember back in the day, like when I played ball and. You know, you had to break that first sweat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you were like, man, I had too many beers last night, and coach, and all of a sudden you break that first sweat, and you were good. It was like they hadn't broke that first sweat in the, the first half. But this one last night, I don't know, or last night, a couple weekends ago, like I don't know if it was about the fact that that they were hungover per se, or you can blame it on the city. It just was just like, oh my god, like this is like, you know. I don't know, like, and one shit. But, like, and one plays more defense. It's not about playing defense. It's just, like, just like stand at the free throw line and try. Right? I don't know. I'm done with the All-Star game. Uh, let's talk about this Washington Wizards. Here's the deal about the All-Star game, uh, Rashad. Like, how much do you believe? Okay, so they've changed. It's, what year is this now? Like, second or third year where they've done the whole week off, essentially? Right. It's the second year, I believe. Okay, second year. Uh it hurt the Wizards, let's be honest. Uh, they were rolling, you know, aside from that. I mean, they were 17. What, what is the stats? Like, they were 16-2, and two, and the two losses were the tip-in by uh, Morris's twin in Detroit and then the bullshit bank shot by, uh, by LeBron. So this team is rolling, even though sometimes they didn't play that well, but they always seem to win. And then they come out and they play an undermanned Philly team, uh, which without Embiid, pretty much without a, they traded Noel, so no Embiid, no Noel. Uh, Simmons obviously has been out all year, so like, what the hell? Uh, and they put up 120 on the Wizards. They win 120 to 112. Your thoughts on that game? I don't think it has anything to do with the All Star, the extended. Uh, all-star break. I think that would have been a tough game even if they had the traditional two, three days off. I, I mean, Philly, if you've been noticing, with or without NB, they still play extremely hard, and Okafor has killed the Wizards because he's just 
he's he's an old school low post beast, and I I think that that game was going to be tough no matter what. They were lethargic. Well, everybody not named Bill was lethargic, and so Robert that, Covington had twenty five points. Uh, Sarek had twenty. Gerald Henderson, notorious Wizards killer, had twenty. Uh, and Okafor only had eleven and ten. And some Holmes guy, I don't even know, had twelve. And Sakas had eleven. So one twenty. The defense was just concerning. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Keep right. going. Right. So that 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 loss was understandable. And the Utah loss. I mean, let's, let's face it. Utah has a better record. They're a better team, and they're they're a tough defensive team. I mean, that, that's not. I think that had the Wizards played the Utah Jazz in the throes of their long winning streak, they would have lost too. Utah is a very tough team. They have some unique players that the Wizards can do nothing with. I mean, you know, Gobert is not a player that the Wizards can really do anything with, and Hayward is a tough matchup. So I didn't, you know, I didn't really see it as the sky is falling. I think that the reason why people were so concerned is that they had Golden State, two Toronto games, Orlando, and then a road trip coming up, and it looked like those two very understandable losses could snowball into four, five, six, and then you're looking at a team that's losing ground in an Eastern Conference team that's already in an Eastern Conference that's weakened by, you know, no Lowry. Boston has been kind of, you know, they haven't been as playing as well as they were in the beginning. And so I think that's what—that's why people were concerned. I don't think those were bad losses. Well, no, I think the Philly loss was not the great loss, but I don't think they were so bad as much as this could just turn into a really long, a long losing streak. Which is why that Golden State game, with or without Durant, was so, so sweet. Well, no, I mean Utah is thirty-seven and twenty-two. They're just as good as the winner record-wise. But what was disappointing was how. The Wizards then, that was Friday night, and had Saturday off, and it was a Sunday matinee, and they came up flat. They scored 39 points in the first half, 15 in the second quarter. So I guess you're giving some credit to the Utah defense, which, okay. But I just didn't see any energy that I'd seen at home. Uh, Gobert, uh, 19 rebounds, 4 blocks, 15 points. Uh, Hayward, 30 points, 9 rebounds. And... And the other thing, uh, and also George Hill had 21 points and six assists and plus 24 plus minus. And the Wizards like made a late run there in the fourth quarter to try to come back, but they had just dug themselves too big of a hole. And then Hayward hit a bunch of couple of big shots that pretty much into uh, the game. And you're right, uh, Rashad. I was headed. Uh, I covered the, the game, Golden State Tuesday night. And I was like, oh, my God, like, they have a home-and-away home, home and away versus Toronto and then a road trip. I know Colorado was out, but this team still can lose to Toronto. And here comes here comes the Warriors. And I show up, and, you know, it is, you know, Scott Brooks gives his pregame talk. He was basically like, you know, how do you defend them? He's like, they're open when they enter the gym, and they asked him Kevin Durant questions, and Golden State had played in Philly the night before, so there wasn't, like, the usual hype, right? Like, you know, they have, like, a, a walkthrough or a practice where then all the media's there. So then, I go to uh, the Golden State locker room, and uh, Wolf, and I didn't see, I skipped Steve Kerr to go watch Steph Curry shoot. I don't know if anyone's ever watched Steph Curry shoot warming up. It is just like fucking... It feels like watching Barry Bonds uh, take BP. 
<laughs> it is. It's and dude, all these Golden State Warrior fans, man, is there that many people from uh, the Bay Area? No, there's not. It is like, like when LeBron was in Miami, uh, it is. It, it reminds me of you know Michael Jordan back in the day, where you have all these mainstream or co- the Koba stands as well. And I get it, like Seth Curry. Why would you not like this little skinny little dude that shoots threes and you're a little kid? But man, they are out in force now. And you know, covering these Wizards games over the years, you know, covering Seth Curry pretty much throughout his whole career, I've been to almost all all the games here. It's just it it, it was this way last year and it was this way uh, the year before. But it was. It's 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 funny to see. I mean, then he comes out and he signs autographs, takes photos. Like there's a Davidson crowd. There's an Under Armour person. Like there's like people that played with his dad that come out and the guy like like no shit was like a decent dude. You know, similar to John Wall. Actually, even better than John Wall. John Wall just goes through the motions of signing autographs and he will. Steph Curry's like taking photos. John Wall's a little bit more focused and. Steph Curry was incredible. And so then I go into the locker room and and then like there's so much fucking media, dude, and, and all this crazy stuff. And and the thing is is like what's totally different is that all of a sudden out of nowhere, like, there's Clay Thompson. There's Kevin Durant. There's Draymond Green. There's Andre Iguodala. Like it's like, oh yeah, you forget. Like this isn't this is why all this media is here. Like all these people are are are, are there for this game and so then I go out there and then Kevin Durant's on the court, which should be the number one story. Uh, and, you know, he's warming up and he's shooting. And and then he, he goes in. And, and the thing is, is that it's like this buzz in the arena with, like, dude, like nobody really goes. Like, you've been there before. The, I mean, how many times have you been there a couple hours before the game, right? Like, dude, there's like fucking like a thousand people there to see Kev, Steph Curry. You know, and it's something that it's until you see it in person, uh, it's something that that is different. And the game, the game, the game starts, and uh, the Wizards unbelievable forty points first quarter. Kevin Durant gets hurt because uh, 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 Poland hates the Republic of Georgia, so Gortat takes out Bachulia, goes into uh, Durant's knee. Uh, he lo- the, he left. I didn't actually see it live. I saw him limping out. He goes. The game goes back and forth, kind of a sloppy game, sloppy kind of close game, and then you know Beal was hot early, you know Markeith, you know turned it on late, and and then Wall didn't really shoot that well, but had 19 assists, uh, and then Curry gets going in the third quarter. The Wizards were up large, they come back, and it, it gets into a you know your boy Sean Livingston made fucking dude so many good plays. Uh, it goes back and forth, you know it goes down, and you end up with you know Steph Curry with a 25 footer to win the game, and he misses. And it, it was one of those things where it was like a at the end of the game, dude. I was like, is this game on PCP? Because it was like the last five minutes, like the Wizards couldn't get off as a rebound, and the Warriors couldn't make it, and they throw these balls away, and the Warriors were discombobulated with you know Durant, the rotations being out, and 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 it was you know Otto hit a huge three. Otto made a huge rebound, uh, offensive uh, rebound. Uh, when the Warriors, it kind of reminded me of the Warriors going small, was going against them. You know, Otto came through and got a rebound, got fouled, and you know made two huge free throws. And Curry missed the missed the shot, and then Markeith, uh clinched it and had the great quote uh, about being uh, big balls. What? But here's the deal, dude. At the end of the game, so I go in the Warriors. I'm waiting. I interview all these people, Rashad, and like. 
all they want to talk about, ESPN and the worst people, were just about Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. And I was like, can we talk about the game? You know, like, like finally I was like, hey, so, hey, Draymond, like, why did the Wizards win? Uh, hey, uh, Clay, T- I didn't actually get to ask Clay Thompson. I asked Sean Livingston a question. Uh, I asked Steph Curry a question about going up against John Wall, which uh, I will put the audio up. Your thoughts of this game? Because I feel like the, even the Wizards gutting this out at the end could be, once again, a turning point of the season a little bit, Rashad. I, well, it was, it was the Warriors should have won the game. I mean, I think you the think Wizards so? were very the Wizards were very fortunate that Curry, you know, despite scoring 21, was off. Durant wasn't there. Clay wasn't his normal. So, like, they weren't they weren't as on oh, on yeah, the field no. as they, oh, as they no. normally are. And the Wizards were giving them oh, no, no, plenty they, of they, chances. They, 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 Curry was 9 of 20. Clay Thompson was 5 of 20. Clay Thompson was 3 of 13 from 3. And Curry was 2 of 9. Right? That's not going to happen. Right. So they weren't, you know, the Wizards were giving them plenty of chances to stand in the game with the turnovers and the sloppy play. And Golden State just was not, they were not themselves. So, on one hand, you look at it and say, okay, they caught Golden State on a bad night even before. I mean, back, not even back to back. back to back, right? Right. But on the other hand, you know, this is a game that the Wizards could have easily lost. I mean, in, in years past or maybe earlier in the season, they would have found a way to lose the game. And had they played as bad as they did against Philadelphia, they probably would have lost the game. But just in patches, they were able to keep it together and kind of distance themselves from Golden State. So in that respect, despite the sloppiness, you're encouraged. If you can, I mean, I don't. It doesn't matter whether this team didn't have Durant or whether it was the second night of a back-to-back. They still have Curry. They still have Clay Thompson, and they have Draymond Green in that lineup, and they're very capable. Three Olympians, of feeding. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, when when Durant was hurt, I believe it was against Memphis. They still beat them. So they. This is still a very dangerous team. So. You know, I was I was encouraged by the fact that they, on a night where not only was not Golden State wasn't at its best, but the Wizards were admittedly not no, at their best, not and at they all. still were able to pull out a win. It was encouraging, but you know, I'm I'm not surprised that after the game, all they could talk about is Durant. He's in D.C. He's you know he's still there's a lot of buzz surrounding he and Westbrook after the All Star game. I mean, I mean, like, like we're it, trying, like, like was, those answers got on ESPN later, right? Like I get it. Like the cameramen were like ESPN reporters. Right? I understand, right? Right. I mean, and so the fact that he's hurt that's that's the biggest story in the NBA that led every sports broadcast because you know that they're on a championship or bust mission here, and you know what he's gone through in the media with. You know, Westbrook and all that. And so the very fact that this season, I mean, at the time they didn't know what was going on. I mean, I, you know, you could look at the, well, I was listening, I was listening to something today and they were talking about how when they were in the locker room, they were just mortified. Like everybody thought this was an out for the season situation because of the way, the way he walked off. And those are the questions they were asking, you know. So that that has that has to be the lead story. No, no, no I get it. But it's like seven questions, and the final was like, "Oh, hey, like." But but to the credit, Steve Kerr was like, "Kind of Steve Kerr." So him and Scott Brooks are just good dudes, man. Like I would love to have beers with those guys, right? Like I would sit like at a poolside, you know, with a drink of little umbrella, and just shoot the shit about like anything but basketball with those guys. Like I can just tell. And Steve Kerr was like. 
Hey, man, the fans got their money's worth tonight, didn't they? What a good basketball game that was. You know, it, it I don't was know like, about that. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, the ending, you know, like, well, I don't think it was a good basketball game in the sense of all the turnovers and the craziness, but just, like, the intensity. I mean, in the arena, dude, it was nuts, you know? Like, there was, like, big shots being made. Draymond hit a bunch of big shots, and, like, you know, there was big plays on both sides, and the Warriors came back, especially with Durant out, but... He was just saying, like, in the sense that it was, you know, there was this drama at the end, and Draymond was like, hey, listen, like, that was playoff. He goes, that was playoff basketball. He said it unannounced, said it was playoff basketball. Livingston said how good the Wizards were. When I asked Steph Curry about John Wall and, and their conversations, he said, like, uh, different different things about how, you know, how this team is so much better. And they mentioned, they mentioned Otto Porter. Uh, all right. All right. So... Your, we'll get into the whereas I want to finish on the, the Raptors game that you that you wrote about, and then we'll jam out, dude. Mm. Yeah, that, what that was your takeaways? Good. Your takeaway? So, so the Wizards win this game. They go to Toronto. They're without Kyle Lowry. The Wizards haven't won Toronto forever uh, in the regular season. Obviously, in the playoffs they did. Uh, still kind of a trap game a little bit. Yeah, they. I think as I I was on a a uh, Raptors podcast just a short while ago, and I was explaining to him if you kind of extrapolate that second quarter, this would have been a close game. And had Kyle Lowry played, Toronto could have stolen this from the Wizards because the I mean had they not outscored the Raptors by 18 in the second quarter, this would have been a nip and tuck affair. But this was just a game where. The bench got going, and I know Bogdanovich is. I think he had 16 in the quarter. I know that's the sexy thing to look at, but Mahini was blocking shots to start the break. Jason Smith was hitting mid. I mean, first of all, he was off the bench. Um, as you know, he hadn't played much since the All Star break. He was back in the rotation. He was hitting mid range shots. Um, Sadoransky, as as you know, as to your point. He run, when he runs the offense, he runs it beautifully, and he was finding everybody. Oubre wasn't shooting well, but he was hustling. And at one point, I think they went on like a 26-1 to run, and they just totally steamrolled the Raptors, and that was the difference in the game. I think, you know, Wall was mediocre. He had 12-13. and 13. You know, Bill played well. Otto Porter put up a bagel. Um, Markeith and... And Gortat played okay, but that bench was the that bench, and particularly that second quarter was the difference in the game. And it didn't help that I think the Raptors had three assists the whole night. They were missing Lowry. Really, really. You know, yeah, Patrick Patterson was was missing open threes that he would normally hit. You know, DeRozan was just kind of inconsistent, and so you know. Wow, do, do Carroll played thirty minutes and had zero points. What the fuck? Right, they they had eleven assists, but at one point at the end of the third quarter, I believe they only had three, and so you know the oh they Toronto, scored they scored a bunch late. They had thirty six in the in the fourth. Right, and particularly uh, Norman Powell was killing it in that fourth quarter, but you know again the Wizards they did what they needed to do to win. I think they're going to do a, they're going to need to do a lot more. I don't think that um, Valanciunas. Is, is going to play that badly. I, I don't think that DeMar Carroll is going to go scoreless, and I don't think that um, that DeMar DeRozan is going to go 7 for 20. You know, I think they're going to be a lot more aggressive, and they're going to play better. But a particular concern, if I'm, if I'm Scott Brooks, I am concerned about the lulls in the action, particularly by John Wall, who kind of, 
at times reverted into that speed up and down the court with no plan. And I'm concerned about the offensive rebounding because Valentunas and Ibaka were just, they had their way. I mean, they got Gortat in foul trouble. They forced Mahini to come into the game prematurely. So there are little things that could, if the Raptors are playing better, could kind of tip the scales and uh, could fall in Toronto's favor. But again, the theme here for these games is you're winning games that you have every reason to lose. You're on a back-to-back. You're coming off of emotional high, beating Golden State. I did not expect the Wizards to beat Toronto, and they won, and they won. I mean, Easily, the, handily, dude. Okay. Yeah, the, and the lead was not down to single digits after the second quarter. So, you know, I, this this is this is the sign of a mature team. And well, how, how about Scott Brooks uh, putting Jason Smith back in after he had kind of, uh, you know, benched him for the last few games, and then him delivering? I mean, that was pretty impressive. Well, he had been telling the media that he needed to figure out a way to work him back in the rotation, but it was just difficult because he also needed to balance that with getting minutes for Mahimni because Mahimni was still trying to get his win back and his knee stronger and his game back. So, But he was kind of bailed out last night because Gortat got into foul trouble, and so he had to play both of them. I mean, he was already going to bring in Mahimni, but now he was able to bring in Jason Smith, and they were able to play together. So it worked out last night. Uh, what 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 did the Raptors podcast guys say about the Wizards, or what's their take takeaways? He was at one point he asked me, "Would the Wizards rather play the Raptors or the Celtics in a playoff series?" And I told him they'd rather play the Raptors. I mean, they've beaten the Raptors, so they have that that muscle memory, so to speak. And there's nobody on the Raptors who's as scary as Isaiah Thomas. And I told him that I think the danger in the Wizards playing the Celtics in a playoff series is the Celtics know how to get under the Wizards' skin. They know how to get them out of their game and kind of mess with them emotionally. So, and this guy also said that the Wizards, I mean, that the Raptors already, you know, he said something like Kyle Lowry accounts for 50% of their three-point shooting, whether it's shooting or assisting. And without him, they're they're just they're just putrid on offense. So what's wrong with Cal, what's wrong with Cal Lowry and what's the prognosis? I, I haven't really uh, followed. Is he day to day or some shit? No, no, he's out for he, he should be back by the playoffs, but they're not one hundred percent. Oh, really? Is that, is, that, is that long? I didn't know. God, what a terrible yeah. podcaster! What, what happened to him? Uh, he's out with the wrist. Oh, wrist. Okay. Yeah. So I was, um, I was listening to some NBA thing and they were talking. He's out, but I didn't know it was like that long. Yeah. And also, so, uh, oh, dude. So we're gonna, dude. We might play the Raptors because they'll be the sixth seed. <laughs> be the third, third seed, or we, maybe we'll be the second seed and they'll be the seven. I mean, they're gonna tank without him. Well, that's what this guy. That's what the uh, what Sean was saying on the with this podcast. But I was telling him you cannot. It is not a foregone conclusion that the Wizards are gonna get out of these these the bookends the road trips at the beginning and end of the month. You just can't take for granted that they're going to get through unscathed. And especially with they have new personnel to work in and playing on the road is tough. So, you know, that they, the Wizards, they may not be as unhealthy as the Raptors, but they're going to have their own set of challenges in these 20 or so games. That is good. Well, Rashad, we, we, have, we have Twitter questions and the schedules to analyze, but you have some family obligations, and I've, I've taken you uh, too much. Of your time because you've you've spending too much uh, too much time on the Wizards, 
But uh, Rashad, uh, I believe I will see you tomorrow night at the phone booth. Uh, me and you will yeah. be covering the Raptors together. How yes, sir. We're, we're covering that game, and perhaps we can do another podcast well, once this yeah. current homestand ends before the West Coast trip starts. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, just to let people know uh, what's coming up. Uh, the Wizards play Toronto tomorrow night, which me and Rashad will be there. Uh, Orlando, a 5 p.m. start on Sunday, and then they go on a five-game road trip at Phoenix and at Denver back-to-back. That is a Tuesday, Wednesday, off-day Thursday, and then a back-to-back at Sacramento at Portland. What the fuck is this bullshit, dude? Uh, and then uh, then they have a day off, and they go from Portland to Minnesota because that's a very short flight. Uh all those games are winnable, but we know that they're not going to win them all, right? How about this, right, Rashad? Gonna... Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about the road trip uh, another time. Uh, thank you uh, so much for listening, Rashad. Uh, maybe I'll answer these Twitter questions here in a little bit. Uh, any any parting words here? From we're back, we're back. How do you feel, March? I mean, you feel confident here coming? I am very curious to watch a two-game sample size of Brandon Jennings. That will determine how confident I am going into this road trip. Yeah, I also feel that uh, Wall hasn't really played well in a while. No, like I feel in and I, I can go. It, I wrote it down in my notes. I didn't have it in the notes I sent you, but this whole like Wall can't get foul calls. I think now is getting into his head a little bit. And you were mentioning about how we saw rookie Wall sometimes, and I feel like he's getting screwed up some foul calls, and then now he's just like overthinking on his drives instead of just. And, and I was walking out of the Warriors game, and him and his security guy and uh, some other agent dude, I, I can't figure out who he was, they were walking out in front of me, and literally like two feet in front of me, I was walking out of the arena, and Wall was like, man, I missed three lips, man, I missed three lips. Like, he was like, you know what I mean? He's probably pissed at the rest he didn't get a foul call, but he also was like, why am I missing these layups, right? So I was like, you're right, you missed fucking three layups. Like, you know, one time Marquise tipped it in or some shit like that. And then Beal has been balling out, but then kind of disappeared uh, in the second half against the Warriors. And last night, he had a, he had a, he had a big three uh, that was that was clutch. I don't know what's up with Otto last night. Any, any thoughts of Otto before we go? I just think he had an off game. I mean, I'll, how he, I'm going to ask Coach Brooks before the game, are there going to be any... Is it going to be a concerted effort to get Otto going, given how poorly he played? So we'll see. Yeah, he will answer that, and he'll be he'll drop a joke. But thanks for shot, dude. It's been great. Uh, in an hour, dude, that, that is like record time for us. Uh, tell tell your lovely wife uh, it's all my fault. That wraps up today's show. Go to truthaboutit.net. Read some more refined journalism on this team, and it's free. Nah, man. And as always, go Wizards. Peace out. Here comes my boys, plug three and two. My name's plug one, I'm here to do the job at